0: Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue podcast. I'm your host as always Amir Farrell with my co-host Jordan Lopez on another episode. We have Thursday night football this week, the first primetime matchup for the Denver Broncos this season. Um, As always, you know, the Broncos season has not gone as we expected. obviously starting off one and four. Um, Definitely not the the start that any of us predicted from the, uh, the beginning uh, and end of the off season. But, we're still here every single week to preview the Denver Broncos games, kind of give you guys a look at the keys to victory, players to watch, our game predictions, who's going to ball on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, and then at the very end, our score predictions. But also, as you guys can tell from the title of today's episode, we are going to be going over some uh, players that should or should not be traded on the Denver Broncos roster at the very end of today's episode. I'm going to be kind of going over some, uh, obviously, James the James Palmer report uh, via NFL Network. Yesterday, he says that there's a sense around the Broncos organization that a teardown um is coming very uh very very soon here with the trade deadline approaching in November. So, we got some stuff uh we got a lot of stuff to talk about in today's episode. Please let us know in the comments um what do you guys think about today's episode? If you guys have any um you know things that you agree with or disagree about, uh, please let us know in the comments. We always love reading your feedback as always. And then help uh, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure you guys help us get to 2K subs. Love all your support as always. But before we go ahead and jump into today's A preview for the Denver Broncos week six game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Joy, how are you doing today, brother?
1: You know, I'm doing all right. Continue to talk about Broncos stuff. I know both of my football teams want to lose in the worst possible way, it seems like every week. And now UM has caught on to that uh, contagious feeling from the Broncos. So I'm just hoping that both of these teams are just sacrificing for my Boston Celtics and my New Jersey Devils at this point. But Listen, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I I even wrote about uh, yesterday about the growing sense inside the locker room that James Palmer reported. Check that one out. I also talked about following a certain type of blueprint for rebuilding and we mentioned in the previous episode, too. So I have a couple of things out on Predominantly Orange. Uh, I know you do as well, so I hope everyone checks out our stuff.
0: Yeah, make sure link in description. We'll have both of those in there. Um, so check out our work at predominantly orange at always. You can find Jordan at Jordan T. Lopez on X. You can find me at Broncos Ave on X. Um, and So let's go ahead and jump in today's episode. I mean, we got the keys to victory, obviously. A lot of the fans, we we understand where you're coming from, where you just have no hope for this this game. Um, obviously, on prime time, it's going to be in front of the entire world watching. Our first primetime game is starting off one and four, going up against one of the best top three teams in the NFL in the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just not the scenario that we wanted going into this one. Um, you know, like Jordan brought up in previous episodes, it was so important and crucial to win that game against the Jets because going in two and three looks a lot better than one and four because you wouldn't necessarily have as much. Rebuild talks going into this game. So it just feel you got to feel for like that locker room too because James Palmer is reporting that players already, you know, feel the sense that a, a rebuild is coming and that a lot of these guys are going to get traded before the trade downla- deadline. It just sucks, man, because, you know, instead of focusing on breaking the streak against the Chiefs, th- these guys can't even open Twitter or like social media without seeing that there's a rebuild coming for the Broncos. And it's in- in- inevitable at this point. Like you start off one and four, they're just very, very slim chance, um, you know, very. Steep, uh, steep chance that the Broncos even have a, ch- a shot, um, you know, within the re- realm of reality of making the postseason. So um, they go into this affair one and four. Um, it's going to be obviously, like I said, on primetime Thursday Night Football um, on Amazon Prime at, at Arrowhead. Uh, very tough environment to play in. It's going to be 6.15 Mountain Time, PM, 7.15 Central Standard Time, 8.15 Eastern. Um, as of right now, the injury report uh, isn't very long for the Broncos. They have some players limited, including uh, Loic uh Baron Browning, Justin Simmons, Javante Williams. Um, all those guys are expected to play except for Baron Browning um, and then DJ Jones. It uh, was a, is going to be a DMP, um, so he is not expected to play in this game. He suffered a knee injury um, in the first half against the Jets last Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, after losing him, the Broncos' run game just fell apart. I mean, Brees yeah. Hall had nearly 200 rushing yards. It was just very, very bad. Um, so he losing him is going to be a very, very big loss for the game this Sunday. Um, I would expect probably a, a big game from Isaiah Pacheco and company in that one. Jeremy McKinnon, obviously, uh, definitely was, um, you know, having some great games against us last year. So uh, the Broncos have, will have to contain him in this one game plan for him uh, this Thursday. Um, so starting with my keys to victory. I mean, it just its very simple. I mean, you got to play tight coverage in the secondary, close the run caps c- quickly. After G.J. Jones got hurt, it was just like guys are letting wide open run lanes being created by the Jets O line. They need to do a much better job. They need to make all the adjustments necessary for this one. And setting the edge is very important because Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper are solid pass rushers at the at the most, but they still need work. To, there's still work that needs to be done in terms of setting the edge and stopping the run, in my opinion. Um, the Broncos are one of the worst run defenses in football. They're the, the worst. Um, the Chiefs are averaging set the seventh most pass yards per game this season. So, I mean, you got to play tight coverage in the secondary, but it always starts up front. I always say it. the In the trenches, the defensive line, interior uh, pass rush, just from top to bottom, the defense has just got to be better this Sunday because this is by far the best offense we're going to play probably all season.
1: Yeah, I mean, they do have the seventh best passing attack. And then also... They've been running the ball a lot more, it seems like lately, and they're the 12th best at uh, net rushing guards per game. So it just seems like the defense just, it it seems like the biggest mismatch of the night is just that offense versus our defense. They're the top 10 offense versus the worst defense in the league. So I don't know how Vance Joseph is going to get it done. I know the players would try to play their ass off. I know they still want to put out good tape. I know uh, some of those players in that locker room are a bit frustrated, especially with you know again that we talked about the growing sense of getting traded uh, sooner rather than later but it just seems right now that there's really nothing this defense is going to do to really stop this offense but again playing tighter coverage is (laughs) key number one we've seen Damari Mathis and a whole bunch of other corners in the secondary just give off 10 yards of separation right off the bat and then obviously the pass rush for me needs to get home quickly uh get Mahomes you know pressured a bit I know he can make those uh Uh, off scripted plays a bit but they they have to do something to you know then the Chiefs offense has been struggling a bit but still when they struggle they're still top 10 in the league so
0: yeah exactly just and you talk about coordinator matchups a lot I mean offensive play caller for the Chiefs Andy Reid and then up against her Um, I'm not is he is he
1: calling plays I'm pretty sure he is
0: Yeah, so that's – and then you got on the Broncos' side of the ball, Vance Joseph calling play. So that is a bit of a mismatch if you ask me, a uh, lopsided matchup there.
1: It's very similar to, like, when we talked about Mike McDaniel versus Vance Joseph. This is a very, very, very similar situation with uh, Andy Reid versus Vance Joseph.
0: Yeah. And then one of my next keys to victory, I mean, you got it for the Broncos offensive sake. They got to take advantage of one on one matchups. They just didn't do it well enough last week. Um, and then this week, Russ has just got to let it fly, man. You're one in four. What do you have? What else do you have to lose at this point? Um, I know he's building a good resume and you know stat line this year. Um, he's got like 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. Like he's playing really, really good right now. I know the media will not like to tell you that, but we just keep it 100 with you guys. Um, we got we still have people coming out and first take. You got Mike uh, Mike Green, I think his name is uh, Greenberg, talking yeah. about how this is the worst he's ever seen Russ look like. Are you kidding me? turn on two minutes of film and everything will tell you otherwise like just absolutely disgusting disgusting from people who get paid that much to you know cover the NFL and just don't even watch a single ounce of film just absolutely blows my mind to, uh, day in day and out but anyways you got to take one take advantage of one-on-one matchups this week um, but also at the same time take what the defense gives you I think sometimes uh, you know in these shootouts that you may see the if the offense does have a shootout with the chiefs offense you got to sometimes take what the defense gives you not always necessarily look down feel for, feel for those big flight big plays first and just kind of give what the defense, uh, you know, gives you. Um, I think that's uh, definitely something that rush should have in mind coming in this matchup. Um, don't try to always play like hero ball. I'm not saying he has, but it can tend to get that way when playing a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, in this league. I mean, the chiefs have the 13th best pass defense in football, which is 204 passing yards per game allowed the 11th best run defense in football with 97.2 rushing yards per game. So their secondary is actually slightly worse than their run defense. So, shockingly enough, but they, they still have some really, really good players in that secondary. Their defense has just improved, like, miles from last year, um, and so that's just what makes this Chiefs even more scarier. So if the Broncos don't have any chance of breaking this streak on Thursday in front of all the fans in the NFL that will be watching, they they, they just got to play better offense this week because, like j Max said, I think the, our offense lost us the game against the Jets on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I'm expecting a better game from the offense. It, it just looked like it was – play calling, execution. It was just everything, like, on offense. Like, nothing went right for this team. I think they're going to have a much better game on Thursday. I do expect, like, a mini-type shootout between us and the Chiefs just because we already know the Chiefs are going to put up a lot of points and a lot of yards. But So I do expect at least champagne to, you know, put up some yards and some points on the offensive side. So I can expect and predict much of a little mini shootout. I just don't know how long it's going to last because at one point – Uh, the Chiefs are going to have to get some stops and Mahomes is going to keep on scoring on Vance Joseph in this defense. So it just depends. I mean, Russell Wilson, I do think he had a lot of one-on-ones he could have taken advantage of in the Jets game. Um, A lot of people would blame it on the separation and on the play calling, but still, I still think he's a little bit too cautious with the ball. But again, at this point, I think you said it best. You're one and four. You have nothing to lose at this point. Let it fly. I mean, you, You have a really, really good deep ball. Utilize it. Throw it. Let's see what happens on Thursday night.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. And one of my my very last key to victory is just coming out hot in the second half and playing consistent football across all four – Four quarters. We ask for it every week, man. And our our last episode, or one of our last episodes, the keys to victory. It's like the Broncos did the exact opposite. I mean, just please play consistent football across all four quarters, and then come out with a sense of urgency in the second half, man. Like I don't know the last time the Broncos actually have done that, but that needs to be a main, you know, key of emphasis uh, by Sean Payton in the meetings and practices uh, this week. Um, you know, these obviously we're just days and hours away from um, game time, so. So the Broncos only have two practices. Uh, so they, and obviously playing against the chiefs in arrowhead, um, you have to have that sense of urgency all game, not just after the second half, but it is especially important to come out hot in the second half. Cause mo- the NFL in the football, it's a momentum game. So if you give the chiefs any sleight of hand in the momentum battle, They're just going to pour it on, man. Like I hate to say for, for Broncos fans, but if the offense starts having, having like three drives, like three straights and outs, three straight three and outs, like last week where they're just like kind of stuttering and kind of Russ is patting the ball. Offensive line is collapsing. This could very turn into like a, like a three like possession, like blowout by the chiefs.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And I think that's a perfect segue to my first key to victory you said talking about playing all four quarters, especially in the second half. And we've talked about it since week one. I don't know when they're gonna win it. I don't know if they even care about it at this point. But Amir, when are we gonna win a middleweight battle between us and our opponent? When is it gonna happen?
0: I, I'm not even sure. And we talk so much about it, and like the, the it being an emphasis by the coaching staff. But at the same time, when you think about it, like I I put it a lot on the players too. Like, it, it just feels like these guys are not really in it. And they just, I don't know. They just, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of heart coming out in that second half. Believe me, you can go and win a football game. Like, take matters into your own hands, please, for the love of God. Like, I, at this, some point, you can't even blame it on the the lack of adjustments at halftime because it just really feels like those guys just go out and aren't executing their job off the bat.
1: Yeah. So we all, like, I'm glad that I've, I don't want to say I introduced, but I've kind of really harped on the middle eight here on Broncos Ave, and I hope a lot of fans have learned about it. And I hope fans can also see in the game how important the middleweight is in the game because it always seems like the Broncos do good in the first four minutes of the middleweight, but the last four is just abysmal. That's when we really lose it. So I don't know when this game or this team, I I should say, is really going to take care of that middleweight and take care of business. But thankfully enough, I know last year, Andy Reid could care less about the middle eight. Uh, and I know that for a fact, because I've heard Lombo talk about it a lot, that the, the Chiefs just don't care, but they're good enough not to care about it. Cause I mean, they click on all cylinders whenever they have to, but I would just like to see this team win one time in the middle eight. I mean, it, it would just be such a momentum factor going in for the rest of the game or the rest of the second half. If this team could just win the middle eight. and probably when we do our post game, I'm probably gonna be talking about the same thing, how we didn't win the middle eight, and how we probably either turned over the ball or it was a three and out immediately. But it it that just has to be more I it's probably emphasized enough in that building, but at some point you just have to execute. You just have to.
0: Yeah. And you can't afford to, like I said, I don't know how many times I have to say it. You can't afford to, you know, be outplayed by the Chiefs coming out of halftime. And I don't know, the Broncos have won five straight coin tosses and have deferred every single time. So they've received the the second half kickoff every single week and just have come out and done like nothing with it, like all five weeks, I believe. Um, And if they have, it's resulted in not much. So it, that third quarter, man, it's so important. But also, like you mentioned, like the middle late last last four minutes of second quarter, first four minutes of third quarter. Like at the end of the second half, they just kind of like even against the Jets, man, they really almost allowed a field goal or a touchdown there when they really should not not have. So it, against a really good football team like the Chiefs, it, like let's say you ball out in the first quarter or fourth quarter, that does not mean excuse my language, that does not mean shit if you're absolutely stinking the bed in the in the middle late. So, like, this is where good football teams win the games. I love that you bring up the middle eight every week.
1: And I think, I don't know if we're on the same wave this episode, but and we've been on for a couple of pre-games, but, I mean, one of my other keys to victory is if we win the toss this time, let's just receive the ball. Let's, let's get the ball first, especially against the Chiefs. We're really good at opening drives, our, our scripted drives. Let's go up 7-0 to start the game. Let's get all the momentum and let our defense actually believe. Look at that scoreboard. Say it's 7-0. And then they got that belief in them. Because the best way to win a middle eight is whenever you defer it. And then you always get the ball to begin the second half. But at this point, that doesn't seem to be working out nearly as much as we thought. And that's the best way to win it. So at this point, receive the ball. Start off with the ball if we win the toss. Or if I hope if the Chiefs win the toss, they defer so we can get the ball first. Score on the opening drive sent the tempo and the momentum for the game, and again, win that middleweight. And that's also one of my keys to victory. Win the toss, receive the ball, and score on the very first drive of the entire game.
0: You You should always go and put the better phase of your team and the better unit of your team on the field first. And the Broncos, every single week, have put their worst part of the team on the field first and that's the defense and they're always immediately giving up a field goal or a touchdown and that kind of just sucks the life doesn't suck the all the life out of the team but it really drains the team kind of and I know last week the the defense forced a three and out or whatever Um, but then Marvin Mims obviously muffing the punt I mean if the Broncos would have scored on the opening drive, maybe that doesn't happen. Like, he, the, those are just, like, little things. And, I mean, Sean Payne, I don't think his ego is honestly going to let him really change. Like, I think he's just going to keep on deferring the ball, if I'm being honest. Like, he's going to – I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe he does a change up, But, like, these are little little uh, ticky-tacky things, obviously, like, what are the coin toss is that really going to change the outcome of the game? The Broncos just need to play better football all across the board. But yeah, these are little things that could change. Cause like I talk about, um, you know, momentum, this could be one of those things where it could change the momentum. If the offense goes out there and puts up six on the board right away. And the chiefs fans, everybody in the stadium just kind of shook at first.
1: Yeah. Which I don't mind if he just keeps on winning the toss and the first. Day. I mean, that's literally the best way to win the middle eight. It just seems that we're so bad at it that I, I mean, Again, like you said, a little ticky-tacky stuff. But my last key to victory for this game, the Chiefs are actually really good on defense on third down percentage. They're the ninth best team in the league, uh, only allowing 35% uh, third down conversions. So I've harped about it on previous uh, keys to victories. I think early down success is going to be key for this offense, gaining first downs on first and second down. So early down success is going to be key in winning this game and moving the ball up and down the field. Another Chiefs defense is really good, but again, first and second down, those are key downs to really uh, move the chains.
0: All right. So our weekly uh, trend, our weekly or tradition, I should say, our offensive and defensive player of the game predictions. Uh, you were pretty, pretty spot on last week with Nick Benito for your defensive player of the game. Um, and then I picked Javante for my offensive player of the game. He didn't play, obviously. So for my offensive player of the game this week, I'm going to go ahead and run it back with Javante. He's actually playing this week. Um, so I'm going to say this time he finally scores his first touchdown of the season. Um, I think he he plays really well against the Chiefs. If uh, people haven't really noticed that, yeah, um, one of his uh, first games actually was uh, in I believe it was in Arrowhead, and he had like 200 scrimmage yards in his rookie season. Um, that could have been in Denver. I could be wrong, but yeah, he he had the starting job that night and played really really well. Um, so I I'm picking Javante this week. I think he has a big game returning from that hip injury.
1: I like that pick. I'm going with a similar player. I would pick Jerry Judy, but at this point, I I can't count on my team feeding this man the ball. I mean, it's ridiculous, but I would be going with another guy that's been trying to feed the ball a little bit more, too. I'm going to stick with Jaleel McLaughlin. I think he has a good game against the Chiefs. I think he continues that momentum of just playing well. It looks like he's the only bright spot right now on this offense, especially last week against the Jets. So I think he has another good game. I think he gets around 15 touches, and uh, he does some uh, big damage in the passing game.
0: Yeah, definitely a weapon. I mean, he's leading the NFL on, uh, you know, like forced uh, ta- force missed tackles um, per ca- per carry in the entire NFL. So that's just ridiculous, man, that our undrafted rookie is one of the lone bright spots on this entire team. Like, that's yep. it's kind of crazy. Um, so for defensive player of the game. Um, I know we've been going with some obvious ones in the last few weeks. I'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card. I'm going to go with Jonathan Cooper, our strong side linebacker. And the reason for that is just like, the, the matchup with Jawan Taylor, right tackle man. We, me and J Mac did episodes during the offseason. We're going over our future right tackles, who we believe that should we should and shouldn't sign. And one of the big guys I had circled as a do not sign was Jawan Taylor. The dude has just played bad football to start off the season. Um, he's been one of the bad, you know players on that Chiefs O-line. He has had his moments, but also just overall just not been a great right tackle, not been the right signing. Uh they signed him to a four-year, 80 million dollar deal just to be a liability. I think Jonathan Cooper having that matchup across from him um, at the, you know, at the weak side position. I think he's going to, you know, play really really well on, on Thursday. Um and I think a lot of people he's going to remind a lot of Broncos fans why he won that starting job in the first place.
1: I like that pick. I'll be going with someone across that defensive line, but I'm going go more interior. I think Zach mm. Allen stacks up another game that he plays really well. And I think I thought he played really well against the Jets. There was multiple missed calls that the refs missed. He was getting held a lot during that game. I think he uh creates a lot of havoc in this game in that interior line. I think he gets to Mahomes a bit. So I think Zach Allen is going to be the defensive player of the game.
0: Two wild card picks from Uh, from us i like it uh so let's go ahead and throw out our score prediction for this week um broncos one and four man thursday prime time amazon prime against the chiefs just gotta love it so jordan i'll let you go first this week i went first last week who do you got winning this game and by what score
1: all right well i do got the streak continuing things gonna be 16 in a row or 17 or 18 whatever the hell it's at right now uh (laughs) Lost count. Probably for I, the better. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> I think the Chiefs win 34 23
0: twenty-three. Thirty-four to twenty-three. I got the Chiefs winning thirty-one to thirteen. Um, so, I. Oh I have the Chiefs um, getting going up early in this one. I don't see the Broncos really catching back up much. I think they're going to struggle in the middle eight again. Um, I hate being negative, guys, but this is my legitimate prediction. Um, I think that Chiefs defense is just elite, man. They're top 10 in multiple categories. Um, Steve Spagnuolo, I mean, I give him all the credit, man. He's done a really, really good job with that young unit. Um, I think the Broncos offense could score. I, I would say, like, my max for the, the Broncos, I would say alternate score prediction for me is, like, 31 to 17. But I just don't see it getting more. I don't see getting, like, one possession game. Uh, I see the Chiefs looking at this game as, like, a gimme. Like, it's going to be, like... a easy like cake like it's it's going to be that easy for them so i hate to say it but i think the broncos go to one and five and i think after this game you might see some broncos get traded i hate to say it and make sure you guys i know this not easy to watch broncos football but watch this game because i don't want to we're going to name some players actually right after the segment but some players they this they might be playing their last game with the, the, with the team i hate to say it
1: especially after this thursday night game it is a long week a long long week they have so the time the, to make some moves calls will be made interest will be had so I expect some phone calls to be made and some things to be shuffling in that locker room if uh we go one and five which is we are predicting for us to go one and five
0: yeah, man, it it's just tough, and the fact that some of these guys might be playing, I don't for for the record, I don't think these guys are gonna. I mean, you maybe see you may see one player get traded, but I think this is gonna be a thing where it kind of like starts to happen like right before the trade deadline. But honestly, I like you bring up a good point. It's a long week, man. So. George Payton, Sean Payton, they're probably going to be on the phone seeing how much of uh, you know, some ho- how high of draft capital they can get out of these guys before it's too late. Um, and then obviously, like some of these guys, if they have a good game, like let's say Cortland Sutton goes like four, re- four receptions, like ninety yards, his his, his trade value is going up, and might be his last game with the Broncos. I hate to say it, which is a perfect segue into our last topic of the episode Um, a lot of people have been talking about on social media let's go and talk about some Denver Broncos players who we think will be traded um, and who we think uh, these specific positions are the positions that Sean Payton would like to rebuild for the future we talked a lot about you know specifically me and J-Mac about how we want this team to be more centered around what Sean Payton invests in these specific positions. Like we want Sean Payton inherited guys. And I think a rebuild, honestly, at this point is for the better. The Broncos really aren't headed in the the positive direction this season. And so I, you know, I said in our last episode, probably rebuilding a a good, like 70% to 80% of the roster is in the best interest of the franchise's future. Um, So I think players that need to be traded that me and Jordan kind of agreed on are Cortland Sutton, wide receiver tackle Garrett Bowles, Justin Simmons, kind of a, f- a financial casualty. Uh, Javante Williams, so I hate so much to say that. My favorite player. Um, I just don't see the Broncos paying him. They could let him you know, go throughout the rest of his rookie contract. Don't get me wrong. I would prefer to see that. Um, but I think the Broncos might try to sell high right now. And I think the emergence of Jaleel McLaughlin might um, play a factor into this. Um uh, but aside from those guys, Josie Jewell, I mean, the last year of his contract, the Broncos, they might try to uh, deal him away like they did Bradley Chubb because they know they're, they're not going to pay him, especially with Drew Sanders coming up. Uh, and then Frank Clark, uh, Ian Rappaport already reported that there's multiple teams interested in trading for him. Um, so the Broncos could maybe pry away like a sixth or a seventh for him. Seventh is probably more likely. Um, and then DJ Jones is an interesting one that me and you talked about, our starting nose tackle. Um, he's dealt with some injuries. Um, he's getting up there in age. Uh, and then obviously, um, you know, like I mentioned with the uh, the injuries and then the contract uh, next year, uh, this is last year with the Broncos. So at this point, did the Broncos just trade, away, trade him away now and try to rebuild at that position and get younger on the defensive line, Jordan?
1: I think DJ Jones is a, r- like, realistic option of him getting dealt. I think the first domino that will fall um, if and... Let's be quite frankly, when we lose on Thursday night, I think the next trade from the Denver Broncos will be Frank Clark. I think he would net us at least a sixth-round pick or a seventh-round pick. I think when we trade players like a DJ Jones, I think we can possibly get a fifth-round pick. I would love a fifth-round pick, especially just because studying what the Rams did uh, last year, they had a lot of fifth-round picks. I think they had five fifth-round picks, and that's where they got P- Puka Nakua and a lot of their other Uh, Younger guys are balling out right now. So I I would like to see like those middle round type draft picks, fourth and fifth. I know with Sutton, we can probably get a fourth, hopefully. Um, Garrett Bowles, I think we can get. So yeah, I'm looking towards those middle rounds where a lot of teams will either try to stack up on or try to trade away just for more assets. But I'm looking for those middle rounds to get, you know, some draft capital for those type of guys. And again, on DJ Jones, I think he is one that, I mean, what what would be his role here if he stays and stays through a rebuild? I think Champagne would like to get younger at that position, at that unit, and you never know. A young stud at in the interior of the defensive line could really do us a big benefit, especially on a rookie contract. So I think DJ Jones is one to look out for.
0: Yeah, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Broncos are in some kind of cap tr- trouble next year. Um, so they could, with DJ Jones being on a three-year, thirty million dollar deal uh, for next year, uh, this could be, you know, maybe getting rid of him saves you a good ten million in cap space and puts the Broncos in a much better spot. Because, I mean, let's face it. The Broncos, you know, could make a miraculous run or they could trade a lot of these guys and cut these guys to save that cap space to put you in a better spot in the future uh, with this ownership and Sean Payne running the team. So um, that's just kind of where it looks like for DJ Jones. Great run stopper, but like you said, the team may, may look to get uh, younger at that position and inherit, inherit some more, um, you know, Sean Payne draft picks.
1: Which I wouldn't mind because, again, getting younger at that position I think is better. Like you never, like, I'm not going to say we're going to get like a Jalen Carter type player in the draft yeah. for him. But if we can find someone at least a little bit like similar to that talent, maybe like in the later round, maybe third round, fourth round, it makes a big difference. That defensive line, if you have a good D-line, you're going to win some games and your defense is going to be a lot better. So and right now our defensive line is not good. So I can see that being a major point of emphasis during the offseason, whether drafting or retooling through the free agent. Uh, uh, class I'll be coming up. But yeah, I'm expecting for that group to be a lot younger.
0: Yeah. Uh, So players that need to stay that we need to keep in kind of our, our opinion, but also like slash Sean Payton, the players that we think he'll uh, can you continue to keep through the rebuild. Uh, as Patrick Sertan, I just don't see, I still don't understand where this idea is you know, stemming from. Don't see why the Broncos would trade him. Um, I don't even think that trading him and getting maybe miraculously two first round picks could even result in you trading up for a top draft pick. You, the Broncos would probably have a top five draft pick anyways, um, judging off how the rest of the season looks, the strength of the schedule looks very very tough so they'll be up there anyways just no point trading sertan um you you just can't Trade for him and then ha- nail the draft picks to uh, contribute the same amount of impact that he'll give you uh, in his time with the Broncos. Only way I see him leaving is if he literally goes to the front office and demands a trade himself. Uh, so I have guard Quinn Miners, right tackle Mike McGlinchey, and guard Ben Powers. Those three offensive line I think are really good uh, pillars and you know building blocks for your offensive line. And then also I've had my you know doubts with Mike McGlinchey. But at the same time, he is an elite run blocker, and they did sign up that big contract. So there's no really out for him. Same thing with Ben Powers. Um, I'm a really big Ben Powers guy anyway, so I would not like to see him go. Um, Another guy, very interesting, linebacker Alex Singleton. He's on a three-year, $18 million deal, um, but also fans need to realize like we can't just trade away everybody on that defensive side of the ball and this was a champagne re-signing like he was re-signed this offseason to that three-year uh, 18 million dollar deal with Sean Payton already being hired here so that was part of his uh, move with george Payton and company so i don't see them getting rid of him um i could see maybe a pay cut in the future but i just don't see it um jerry judy uh and before we go and talk about Jerry Judy, obviously the 2023 draft class is going to stay for anybody that thinks Marvin Mims they're going to trade him like just stop. But anyways, Jerry Judy, um was one of our our last player for uh players to keep. What what is your argument here for any Broncos fans that still think uh he should be a part of the fire sale?
1: Well, if he is a part of the fire sale, anybody vouching for that, you I mean, we're going to be in the market for a wide receiver, and if we have one on our team right now, that is young and one that we could use even though we don't use them, I don't get what the point is for letting him go. I know that we're going to have to eventually pay him, but at this point you're going you're gonna to pay people no matter what. I mean, to really trade Judy, I mean, I don't think we're going to get the draft capital people think that we're going to get for him. I think that was passed a long time ago. I think if we would have traded him, it would have been last year when we could have gone – a first or a second, which everyone was, was most likely saying was a second round pick. Yeah. Now his value is going to be, what, a fourth round pick? I think that's terrible. If, to, if you're going to trade Judy and get a fourth round pick, that's absolutely abysmal. You keep him, you utilize him in the offense, and I think he can do really good with Champagne. Again, you don't trade a young, a young star wide receiver. I know he hasn't had that production of a star wide receiver, but anybody that, can actually understand what's happening with Denver and what happened throughout his whole tenure here would actually understand that he has gone through five different play callers, 25 different quarterbacks, and everything like that. So give him some continuity, give him the same head coach, play caller. And I know we're going to talk about Russ a little bit later, but I think Jerry Judy has to stay. I think he's part of the solution, not part of the problem. If you trade him, you're creating another hole in the boat that, that you have to patch. I know a lot of people have been uh, using that analogy and uh, it's perfect with this one. So I think he's uh, he needs to stay.
0: Yeah, you said it best. I mean, Jerry Judy just comes down to utilization and if you're going to trade him away for a 4th round pick and we maybe your wide receiver comes in and breaks out, but it's just not realistic. And if you actually utilize Jerry Judy properly, then you know once you do utilize him properly, and he starts balling out, then you just look back in hindsight like, man, we really would have traded him for a fourth. Like that's just that's crazy that yeah. we would have just gave him away just like that. So, it does not come down to a lack of talent with Jared Judy. It's just a, it's just utiliza- utilization, and that goes with the whole whole offense. Like they all gotta mend together well and open up this playbook, and then he'll kind of start to flourish. And obviously. Developing the, you know, the offensive game plan around Jerry Judy and designing routes that are meant specifically for him, making him your first read uh, for Russell Wilson. That That's very important. It's not just a Jerry Judy thing. So I agree. You got to keep Jerry Judy. He, if he doesn't want to be a part of this rebuild, which is looking likely, if I'm being honest, then you got to respect his wishes. But um, yeah. if he wants to actually stay here and build something with Russ or maybe a Caleb Williams or Drake may who knows then we'll we'll keep him I'm more than I'm more than down and it's not like he's gonna um demand like 20 million a year as a wide receiver if he starts balling out going crazy and then yeah he will but um I would love to see it come to that situation but let's go and talk about the last player on today's episode Russell Wilson Very, very interesting one. Some people in Broncos country have had very, very strong thoughts on what we should do with Russell Wilson. Uh, Shout out to Zach Seegers. He's been kind of conducting the move on from Russell Wilson train. And um, I have a lot of respect for Zach Seegers. He's made up a lot of good points. I'm always going to see both angles. I'm personally a Caleb Williams truther. So if we're in contention for the first overall pick, you gotta take Caleb Williams and uh, what happens with Russell Wilson happens with Russell Wilson. Um, but as of now, like what's your lookout for like what your your outlook for what Russell Wilson's future looks like in here in Denver if they do well, rebuild.
1: So I wrote about it a little bit on predominant orange on the LA Rams type blueprint of rebuilding, meaning they kept Stafford. So I alluded to the fact that we should keep Russ. But I will say it all depends on the draft, what pick we are, the order, and all that. I think it really does because – and I've said it to you off here. I don't think we're going to be close to Caleb Williams, and I'd be surprised if we're close to Drake May. I know, again, that this team is bad and we have a hard schedule, but I highly doubt that we'll be in that running uh, for those two guys. I know there's a lot of other good quarterbacks in the draft, but I think those two are like the top tier, you know, they're the crema, the crema of, uh, of that uh, quarterback class. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get close to them, but let's say, I mean, as of right now, we're like, we're the third overall pick. So let's say we stick with this third overall pick. Then we're in the running for a Drake May, because let's all be honest, the bears will select Caleb Williams and move on from Justin Fields. And then, since they have the Panthers pick, they'll pick Marvin Harrison Jr. Then if it's us at number three, at that point in this situation, I'll go with Drake May. And then again, like you said, whatever happens with Russell Wilson happens. But if we are five or six or seven, I think at this point you keep Russ. I don't think there will be a younger quarterback that you would take. I mean, again, this is very early into the whole process. But if you are in the, those like seven to eight range, I think you might as well look at other holes in this uh, roster and fill fill it up with elite talent and follow what the Rams did a bit, even though the Rams didn't have a first-round pick last year, even though they drafted 14 times, they had 14 picks. I think we can do some real damage if we have, like, the seventh overall pick, build around Russ with, like, really young talent on the offensive and defense side of the ball. And I said again in my article, we need to have over 10 draft picks. Uh, in 2024, yeah. so I said that I said that that needs to be a big vocal point going into the season, uh, off season, and into the draft. So those are kind of my two scenarios and situations dealing with Russ. If Drake May's there or Caleb Williams, you take him. If he's not, I think you keep Russ and then you go re- like you really draft a wide net in the 2024 draft class and you go 12 draft picks, 13. Kind of what the Rams did, and uh, fill a lot of holes on your roster, and then also we can have a big free agency as well. So that that sort of rebuild and retool type year can get us to compete a little bit, like how the Rams are right now. But yeah, again, Drake May, Caleb Williams are there. Obviously, you got to take.
0: Yeah, I I still have to do a little bit of my tape on Drake May, as I've said in previous episodes, but Caleb Williams is an obvious one. He's going first overall. I'm not too sure if we even have that uh, are in contention for that first pick. We're in contention, but I'm not too sure we'll have that pick Um, in terms of like rebuilding. Yeah, you obviously rebuild this year to get a better draft pick in this upcoming draft, but in terms of like just a quarterback position afterwards, you got to, you know, evaluate who's going to be the best quarterback to put your team in the best positions to win football games. Like, by me saying that we should rebuild this year, I'm not saying that we should also tank next year and get a top draft pick in the upcoming draft after that. Like I'm saying we should rebuild this year because it, the season is a lost cause already, and we've just yet to accept the rebuild, I don't know, a time and time again over the last, I don't know how many years. And so, if, so by finally doing that, which it looks like it's going to happen according to James Palmer and other sources— it looks like we're finally going to go through the process of rebuilding. But in terms of the quarterback position, you still got to try to win football games this upcoming year because you could have a a L.A. Rams type arc next year where they kind of have a bunch of draft picks, but they're also winning football games and are competitive because of not only their young talent, but their coaching that is already established there. So if you can actually make the right hire at GM and nail on these draft picks and make the right hire, hire at D.C., you can actually be a really good season after just a one year rebuild. I'm not saying that we should be rebuilding and it should take a two to three year process for all the fans that think that. I think a rebuild in the NFL doesn't have to be like three years or four years long, like we've seen in the MLB and NBA. Like I think it's not as bad as fans are making it out to be. And like you said with Russell Wilson, if you're missing out on a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, then you might as well stick with Russell Wilson because while he is turning, you know, uh 35, you know, becoming 36. I think he still is a very good quarterback in terms of like utilizing some somewhat of an average roster and putting them in uh, you know contention to win football games because we've even seen it this year with one of the worst defenses of all time, this team is just a few plays away from being four and one and, or like three and two it's cr- it's kind of crazy to say that He even said it himself in a press conference so that's just where I'm at with this team.
1: That's why I kind of lean more towards that type of rebuild. Just because, again, I don't think we're going to be in that situation with Drake May or Caleb Williams, and I think that's a more realistic option. But, again, the Rams are still competitive now, and technically they're still kind of rebuilding at the same time. I mean, they still have draft picks. They're still going to try to acquire draft capital at the same time. So, I mean, again, they're still going through the process, but it's a lot less dreadful as people would want a rebuild to go through. And I think you said it best, and I've heard it from – other people like lombardi good coaching and a good quarterback that are in sync like how sean McVay and matthew stafford are i think that speeds up the process of a rebuild just because how competitive they are right now i think you can say the same thing right uh, with the denver broncos and how that could be the case next year with that type of arc like you said with that rebuilding or retooling of the roster
0: yeah and you know, obviously not a lot of fans are looking forward to a rebuild, but it's just in the best interest of this franchise. And then also when I mentioned like a, a rebuild, like it's not just going to be the roster, man. It's going to be the entire defensive coaching staff, and it's going to be the entire front office because I'm really excited to see what we can actually do in terms of, you know, changing up that front office. All the John Elway regime, I'm sorry, it's got to go. It's got to go. Just all that, you know, those losing seasons, the lack of, you know, the right scouting made for drafts and everything and the free agency, like just not been the right way to go. Um, I would like to see an entire front office, new front office brought in that Sean Payton envisions for the future of this team. Um, so with that being said, that is going to be for today's episode. Make sure you guys, if you guys are listening on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe. Let's get to 2K subs. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify and podcast, make sure you guys follow your a five-star rating. Turn notifications on so you never miss an episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. And if you guys are listening on YouTube, like I said earlier in the episode, please leave a comment down below. Let us know what you guys thought about today's episode. Who do you guys prefer uh, at quarterback in this upcoming draft if you do want one or if you want to stay with uh, stick with Russ? And then if you don't want to rebuild, I would like to hear you guys' reasons. Please let us know in the comments i uh, like to get, hear you guys out on that, as always. Uh, but with that being said, I'm your host, Amir Farrell, with my co-host, Jordan Lopez. Until next episode, uh, reacting to the Denver Broncos Thursday night game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Until the next one, peace out, everybody.
1: Peace.